Blog Talk Radio. announce that announce 
another March fight and then, you know, lay out the, the big schedule. I mean, are they going to do it during the playoffs? You know, the NFL playoffs, that's starting on Saturday. So, I don't know. I mean, another way to look at it, too, for Showtime anyway, we, we know Matchroom has talked about the last few weeks. You know, they were supposed to have a schedule out, too. We've had these little teasers. Like I said, Wood and Lara, a hell of a fight, good matchup. But we don't have their full spring and possibly early summer. Um, so, you know, I actually was on Twitter just a second ago, and Chicken Talk was talking about a holding pattern. And, and that's exactly what we are. We've been in it for a while. Um, we're kind of used to Showtime and PBC doing this because Showtime always likes to lay out the schedule months in advance. And it's really cool when it actually happens, but uh, we're just waiting for good news. You know what I mean? Um, Because I know for a fact, as I've said time and time again these last few months, I know for a fact multiple fights are set already. But it's just a matter of them dropping the fights. And as far as matchroom, I'm not quite sure when they're going to announce. Eddie did tease it, like I said, a few weeks ago. But, you know, even the hardcores get a little sick of like, all right, dude, just give us the big-ass fights here, you know. But going back to that Showtime release, you know, if you think about it, it'll be March, April, May, June more than likely for pay-per-view. So are they going to really announce it? Do they necessarily want to announce a schedule? And if you back it up a week ago, that would have been five in the first five months or six months. So and I'm talking about pay-per-view. So there'll be other fights announced like the one coming up in the early part of February. There's two February non-pay-per-views for Showtime, it seems, but... Do they really want to announce a schedule where there's five pay-per-views on it? Probably not, even though it's still going to happen as far as the fights and the pay-per-views. They may be thinking about that. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in three weeks between the Super Bowl or, sorry, the conference finals and the Super Bowl, there's that two-week buffer. Maybe that's, you know, when they announce the fight. I believe that's the weekend they have a fight card, right? So maybe that's the week they do it. Uh, mid to later that week, um, because a lot of the attention will be on the NFL for the next month and change. So I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're going to wait all the way till March. Like I said, maybe they're just going to announce this plant Benavidez, and then that'll be on the schedule, and then they'll announce the rest of March, April, May, June, or something. I, I really don't know, but I understand, you know, boxing fans, like I said, especially the, the ones that tune in, to boxing a whole lot and obviously the media the part-time and full-time media uh whatever you would call somebody that just has a youtube channel or some of these twitter spaces it's content as well so i think even the the folks that follow the sport a lot are just getting uh anxious they're just like all right dude drop the schedule already okay drop the schedule you know so obviously um some things have changed around the charlo stuff getting hurt a little while back, they had to find it. They have to find a new date for that. There is some stuff. Spence getting in that car accident. So you know, maybe they would have already released a schedule. Maybe it's what I'm saying, where they they'd have the plant and Benavides already out there, and then their new schedule only has April, May, June, and obviously Spence Thurman, uh, Wilder Ruiz and then Tank and Garcia. And that might take place in June. They may do a later May date 
for uh, Wilder Ruiz. I, I don't know. Maybe they'll go Cinco de Mayo that day, and that's why they can't have – because wasn't there – I'm pretty sure there was some wording reported that they couldn't do Cinco de Mayo because Canelo's on there, and that's one thing to zone held tight. And I do see and hear a lot of people saying, yeah, but that's during the day. Sure, but if that's a pay-per-view, I, I just don't think they're going to – even though it's during the afternoon – I mean, we assume it's going to be the U.K. We Nothing's announced, but there's a whole lot of assumptions right now. Some of it's speculating. Some of it's actually there are fights done, and they're just waiting to you know, release a schedule. But we assume he's going to fight in the U.K. We don't know that for a fact. But, yeah, I, I hear all the impatient stuff. But what I mean by hardcore, whatever, you know, there's a handful of fights on the schedule that for hardcore fight fans, it's, gonna, it's not going to resonate with people that are the, the common boxing fan or even the casual boxing fan. But a card like this, the Showtime card, hopefully that Showtime triple headers announced here soon at the end of February, that Wood Lara. There's a couple fights out here that are really interesting. And I think on the mid-level, some of them are mid-level, and, and I've, I've always made a big deal ever since the PBC went network, ever since Top Rank and ESPN and all this stuff, this network stuff, the mid-level fight. There's plenty of fights that probably when you're young as a prospect that it's kind of like, eh, getting this TV spot, I'd rather see a better mid-level fight. But the mid-level fight has, um, you know, gr- the growth on the mid the amount of mid-level fights. Because you had HBO, you had Showtime, maybe you get a quality mid-level on, on Friday night fights once in a while. Um you know, I'm talking about the last three to five years. You get it throughout the year, but considering it was every week from, like, January to September, um, it wasn't a constant. Some of them were just pushover prospect stuff. Um, Showbox would be in, the, you know, the prospect slash kind of mid-level. But this is a good mid-level card. F.A. Jogba, uh, Stephen Shaw. Um, there's some good undercard fights that we'll talk about. That Abraham Nova and Adam Lopez fight is really good as is the Guido and Johnny fight, too. The Guido and Johnny, that's what I'm going to say. I'm not even going to mention their, their, their last names, just Guido and Johnny. That's a good card. That's mid-level stuff that I hope that ESPN can do more of um, because these are just quality fights. I mean, they're basically 50-50 fights, all three fights that I mentioned. Once you're like a – if you're within like a plus 140 or plus 150 as an underdog, that's really close. Looking at it from the standards of boxing, right, and how many favorites we see, it's hard to make an actual 50-50 fight. If we're being honest, it, we could call it 50-50s, but being both minus numbers, you don't get that a lot, and you don't even get a plus 140s a lot in, in the top part of the cards. And, and so I really like this ESPN card coming up. It is going to be after a big 12 game. Um, I think it's I, – I can't remember who. Texas Tech and I can't remember. Anyway, um, I think it's Kansas maybe? No. It doesn't matter. But that's going to be a nice little ratings boost as well. I re- and, it, and a card like this needs it. So I really like this card coming up this weekend. Um, but yeah, fight news, whether it's Dan Raphael coming out with Fulton's next fight potentially. Um, like I mentioned, the Anthony Joshua stuff. By the way, happy birthday to Felix Tito Trinidad, great legendary Hall of Fame type fighter, age 50. 
young man is 50. Happy birthday to you, Tito. Um, anyway, let's get into some recap in just a moment. Look at it. You, look how I did that. I said we're going to get in the recap in just a moment. If this is your first time listening to the Rope Dope Radio podcast, welcome. It streams live right here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash rope dope radio you don't have to go to blog talk and rope it open and listen to uh or download the show right there or listen to it in the browser you can find the rope dope radio platform on apple podcast iHeartRadio, radio player fm tune in stitcher spricker google podcast amazon music and many other spots while you're at it why don't you head on over to phil boxing east side boxing along with the grueling truth one more thing, if you're thinking about cutting the cord or you have, you're not quite happy, i got something for you. It's called DirecTV Stream. The prices start as low as $69.99. There's two deals for you. We still have that three months. Save $160 by enjoying HBO Max, Showtime Stars, Epics, and Cinemax, as long as you go with the choice package and above. And if you go with the choice package and above and buy the exclusive DirecTV device, well, that'll save you $50 as well. Direct TV stream. Okay, so once again, let's get into the recap because, like I said, there's a ton of news, but I, I generally speaking, like to start in the ring. Let me just get a little swig of water really quick. So Hector Garcia, Tank Davis was a competitive fight. I saw plenty of people say 5-3 either guy. I saw some people say it was 4-4 after eight rounds. Obviously, we didn't get into a ninth round, but it was competitive. It really was competitive. Um, it's it's one of these fights that, you know, Hector's a solid fighter. He's a top, no matter how you slice it, he's a top five fighter at 130. Maybe he's going to go back down to 130. That's what it kind of sounds like. But he's a quality fighter in the the people that were calling him a pushover and this is just a, you know, a sea fighter and, and he's a shit fighter. Some of these same folks, and some of them are in the media, part-time media too, not just fans. Um, they have, some of them had him 5-3 for Garcia. Now, the scorecards I thought were wide, the real scorecards. Um, that's not a shocking surprise, but it was a competitive fight and it's another opponent I, I mentioned it last week. Even Roley was competitive. It was a competitive fight. Um, Cruz, yeah, he had a hand injury, did Gervonta, but it was still a very competitive fight. Leo Santa Cruz was right in that fight until he got knocked out. Barrios, now I'm not trying to say this is, uh, you know, uh, just a, a nasty string of fights that he's had and nobody's fighting guys like this. That's not what I'm saying, but they're not C-level bullshit fights either. And I understand the pay-per-view um, dilemma, especially if we have, you know, if we're going to average a pay-per-view a month or, or close to it. Uh, a few years back, that was not the case. So I, I get all that, but let's just keep it in perspective. You know, if you don't think it's an entertaining fight and it's not worth your entertaining, you know, dollars, then don't buy it. But to sit here and trash the fight itself, it, it just it's kind of silly because he keeps having competitive fights with guys. And then, you know, they get dumped on before and after. And if you want to dump on Hector for, uh, you know, not continuing in the fight, okay, that's different. But um, I I thought it was a good fight, man. I I thought it was a competitive fight. Um, The first round and the first couple 
rounds were fairly slow. Tank is a slow starter. He, he does like to kind of steal the guy out. And I did think – I actually gave Davis the opening round just because Garcia, in my opinion, needed to throw more punches, needed to kind of outwork Tank. You can't just uh, be at Tank's pace uh, because that's not going to get you that far. The second round was competitive. Um, Garcia landed a few decent shots. Um, and I thought that that was probably good enough for him to win the round. Third round, he landed a nice uh, counter left that I thought was a pretty – and later in, he had a nice left hook as well. A couple of good shots by Davis behind his jab. But I had it 2-1 to one more than likely, uh, the second round very close. And like I said, even round one, there wasn't a ton that happened anyway. Um, and then I gave Davis the fourth round. I thought he started to go to the body more, several counter shots as well. Um, and this was where the fight opened up a little bit because even though – I'd say under 30 seconds left, you did see Garcia firing back, landing good shots. And, and I think early in that round, he actually landed a pretty good hook as well. So, um, you know, it, it was starting to get more competitive, the back and forth. I gave Davis the fifth round, too, so he's up 3-2. to two. I just thought he was more active uh, in quick combination punching, um, whereas Garcia kind of – the problem with Garcia was, like I said, the pace that he was not setting, I guess you could say. He wasn't – not that, you know, when I say outwork, it's not like – to outwork Tank, it doesn't take even 70 or 80 punches around. It really doesn't. It just – he was mostly looking for the counter. He landed some, some good shots, but I think the jab, the left hand, the combos, Davis won it. Now, the sixth round, very competitive. That was probably the most two-way – round I would say I had a question mark there for scoring I I had a question mark but I but I did score it for Garcia um the last minute there was a lot of two-way stuff um I thought Garcia started really body punching well and that was something that I would have liked to see more of but you know he was jabbing but too many of them were just lazy jabs that didn't have enough on it and you really got to at least deter or not even fluster, but just make Tank think about something. Even though Davis did, I thought, landed cleaner shots, you know, in that, um, in that round, the last minute was competitive, no doubt about it. Now, the seventh round, beyond having some moments for Garcia, Davis combinations, uh, the looping right hooks, or the leaping looping <laughs> right hooks, and, and just a harder shot overall. And that's where I started to see, okay, you know, those two rounds were competitive, but the five, six, and seven, you could tell Davis was really starting to open up more. And there's this, well, we'll go into the copy box stats a little bit later, but it was pretty telling. Um, and, you know, some people give me shit for bringing up copy box all the time at the end of the fight. But in, in some circumstances, it does, you know, tell a story. Um, obviously, the eighth round, Early in the last part, back to those heavy, heavy shots um, from Davis. And Garcia still game, uh, you know, landed, you know, some some good shots to the body. But by mid to end of that round, he looked hurt. He definitely looked hurt. He had that moment where uh, he buckled. Um, and when the round was over, it was like, 
he didn't know exactly where he was. You know, it used to be called like a walking concussion. Um, it's not a stinger. Someone actually just texted me that. Well, I know what you mean by a stinger, but stinger is more of like a football, like a body thing. It's not really a concussion. Um, out on your feet. I don't think he was 100% out on his feet because his legs weren't great, but they weren't just noodles either, if that makes sense. But he did need some help, you know, to show where he was. Sometimes you can just get hit and go up for a second. Like I said, a long time ago, it used to be called walking concussion. And it's not a common term at all, but it's just a it's just a blink of the eye. You're out. You're not out out where you're laying on the canvas for five, ten seconds out, but you are. You just kind of your lights went out quickly. And maybe your vision, maybe you're seeing black or white or or you know just your eyes are a little messed up. I don't know if he just lost his vision. I don't think he just went blind. You know, because um, usually it does take you know, damage to the actual eye, but it can be fuzzy. It can be brighter. It can be a lot of different things. I've had a, a, you know, a few concussions, only one where I was out, out where I got dropped on the top of my head in in, uh, wrestling, but I've, I've hit my head quickly two separate times, three separate times where I was out like minorly where it's like, Oh, Oh, what the hell was that? So um, I think that's what it was because he did need help. He was out of it. He didn't know where he was per se. He, you know, when he sat down, a lot of people have translated like, hey, he didn't know where he was. He thought he had been knocked out because the ref was kind of like guiding him to his corner. So that probably meant if he didn't know where he was in that split second, he probably did think that the ref was helping him out and he just got stopped. So, so And he did – halfway buckle. I mean, Garcia's got got a good-ass chin, obviously. Um, but he did say he didn't know where he was. Um, his his vision, I don't think he meant like he can't, he can't see 100% properly is probably what he meant. I don't think he, he it wasn't like, like I said, he was a blind dude and he would walk into a, a wall or something like that. He just, his vision was a little messed up. He was out of it. I mean, if a guy comes back to the corner and he's like, he thinks he got he's got knocked out. Then he's done. And did he quit? Yeah, of course he quit. He did retire on the stool. Um, Bob Santos did kind of go close to his ear and try to give him some words of encouragement, it looked like. Um, but, you know, so, yeah, retiring on the stool is quitting. Now, what level of quitting is it? Did he just take one power body shot and like just went down there was plenty of shots where he could have if he really just wanted to fake it for the check or just be like oh that was a good shot i'm done you know he could have done that a couple times especially in the fifth sixth and seventh and eighth obviously probably more like the seventh and eighth especially he could have done it while that like the when he got a little buckled he could have went down there you know could have went down there and then got up and then the first body shot he could have just like i'm good so I don't think it's just a full-on quit, but when you retire on the stool, I know people sometimes don't like to be as direct or whatever. When, that is quitting. He did quit. And I think the problem is we think every fighter should be psychopathic because there are some guys that can't see in an eye that get concussed that where you see it and they get up and they say, dude, I'm fine. Um, there's guys that their heads, you know, leaning 
backwards and their whole body over the ropes, and they call it. Um, there's guys that just are ready to fight all the time, no matter if their legs are gone or not. Some dudes are just going to get up and be like, dude, I'm fine. Other times, it's not going to go that way. So, yeah, he did quit because he retired on the stool, but if you don't know really where you're at or you're having problems like, what just happened? Did I get knocked out? When, you're, when your fighter's asking you that, it's probably a good sign. I mean, he would have gotten pretty badly hurt the next round. And, you know, the heathen side of us want to see, all right, well, let's see the highlight reel knockout. And obviously even Tank, for his profile, that shit goes viral. You know what I mean? So it is what it is. The dude was out of it. Um, he took some good shots. And this is what I'm talking about, copy box. So the, so the scorecards um, after eight, two of them were 79-73, which I don't agree with. I thought the other card, the, the solo card, 78-74, was closer. Um, like I said, I think you could have given the sixth round to him. I think the, the second and third were available to give to him as well. Um, so, you know, did I really love the scorecards or something like that? No, I didn't. I did. I thought they. I thought two of them were pretty out of hand. But I think you could at least give. Let me look at it again. One, two, and there's you know close rounds. So I, I would say I had it five to three. I had it five to three. And like I said, I've seen people flip that and say Garcia was up five to three. I've seen four four. The point is that's a competitive fight. Um, Ninety nine lands to fifty five, three forty five to two thirty nine. The problem is sixteen percent. Uh, accuracy there, which which obviously is not that high. This is what I was going to talk about, though, as far as the first three rounds, Tank landed nine punches through three rounds, right? And that's why I also only gave him maybe one of them. Um, and I could see if you give him the first three, uh, Hector, that's fair. But then if you look at um, rounds four to eight, he landed 69 punches. The final round, 29 of 39. I think it was like I thought it was 31 of 39, but um, I think he only landed like three or four punches uh, Garcia the other way. So that that's a pretty telling stat right there, if we're being honest. Um, so, yeah, this is how Tank does it. He takes his time. Um, he does worrying about He does worry about getting hit, and I'm not saying, oh, he's afraid to get hit. I'm saying he does have that thing, you know, where he's like, hey, I want to protect myself. I want to see if I can land the bigger shot. Not to say he's not afraid to exchange or nothing like that, but he takes his time and breaks his guy down. Sometimes he's wearing you down and, and he's going to the body the whole time and he's roughing you up and, and, and then knocking you out. Other times it's in the middle of the ring. Other times he's been on the move. I like that we've seen different game plans. This guy has so much power. The, the damage he can do to the head and body, he could just be one of these guys that just go for it. But you know how many times he gets hit too, you know. So I think ultimately these are this this these performances and this experience helps him in in the long run. So do we get Ryan Garcia next? I don't think it's going to be in April, um, unless they got the Thurman Spence thing wrong. The reports, but then again. We, we just read that, what was it, was it last week? I believe so, maybe the week before that Spence was saying April. So I'm assuming that's it. And uh, th- there wasn't a finalized contract that was actually signed because, and I'm talking about for 
Tank and uh, Garcia because, you know, Tank had to win the fight first. So uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming an agreement from April or June or something like that. Maybe they don't want him to go in May in general. Maybe he can go later in May. I know uh, um, Memorial Day weekend, didn't, isn't that the last time Tank fought on Memorial Day weekend? I think. Anyway, I don't know when it's going to be, but let's hope that they get it done because it's a hell of a fight. Now, on to the uh, undercard. And I'll say this about the undercard. On paper, beyond the one fight, it didn't look like it was going to be much there. And and this is kind of a hardcore, not kind of, it's a hardcore take, too, because the Boots, excuse me, the Boots fight with the with old boy Karen, he, it wasn't a, like, really entertaining fight to watch. It definitely wasn't, right? The guy did spoil. He did play defense a lot. However, he was very strategic in what he was trying to do. So ultimately, a lot of people were saying this guy's just going to get dropped off on the sidewalk and curb stomped, right, in a couple rounds. And I wouldn't have been shocked if he took him out in a few rounds either. You know, I wasn't trying to say that this guy's got a bunch of talent or whatever. I mean, last week I, I did, you know, I watched some the the, the Ali uh, Funeka fight. I had watched that. You know, I had talked about he was, you know, he he could move. You know, he some of the fundamental defense you're not used to him. He doesn't really do well, but other fundamentals on defense and head movement and foot movement. He was even better than it looked like. Um, now, as far as like being a, a sharp puncher, we knew he didn't have a whole lot of power. I thought he looked worse offensively than I saw on tape, but I think he was better defensively, and a lot of that was footwork and whatnot. And, and there's times where he landed on boots, not a lot, unfortunately, but there's times enough where did it warrant to give him three rounds or something like that? No. But there was some times um, where you're like, okay, we're actually getting some action. But it was a it was a slow fight. But the one thing, and this is what I mean by being a hardcore, uh, you know, hardcore boxing fan level, it was nice to finally see Boots not just smear someone. He went 12 full rounds. That's important. He went against a guy that it, that moved a lot. You know, and it like I said, it was strategic. Now, was it very negative at times, and, and it was harder to catch him to knock him out? Yeah. And did we see Boots miss a whole lot of punches? Yeah, we did. He didn't look that sharp. He didn't look like he could cut off the ring all that well. And I didn't necessarily like uh, his team saying the dude just ran the whole time. Okay, sure. You can say he ran a lot. I'm not saying he didn't, but, you know. He threw 573, which we've seen plenty of fights like this for 12 rounds. A guy throws less than Boots only threw 592. Now, the percentage is 34 to 17 and 203 to 97 and all that. Um, And this is what threw me off a little bit, and credit to Boots here as well. Five of your 200 jabs that Karen do, you know, that was a little weird. You know what I mean? I was like, damn, dude, I did actually think he had a little bit better – uh, jab the fourth round he was showing um good defense he landed in spots 
he had a nice hook and later a, a right hand, like a double left hook. Um, the body work and some uppercuts and hooks, that could have stolen the round, the fourth round for Ennis, but you could maybe give him the fourth, you know, um, Karen I'm seeking of. And in the last one, uh, you know, early right hands land pretty clean. You did see Ennis respond with his own hooks and uppercuts. Finally, the, the fight was actually on the inside and had action. Two big right hands again in, in good hand or good uh, head movement. I actually thought he, he won the twelfth round that Karen. So I would have gave him one, maybe two rounds, but that's it. He didn't. It wasn't something like, well, it was eight to four, and this dude, you know, mind boggled him. You know, there was just some slow rounds. Uh, you could see maybe seventh and eighth. You, you, I think the seventh and eighth. That's where Ennis really starts stepping it up. His pace landed more combos, but. Karen kept either doing good work moving and making a miss but not landing back enough, or he would just move way too much. And that's where the way too much, the negative fighting, did spoil um, some of the stuff, you know, Ennis were used to seeing. But he wasn't able to cut the ring off fully. I mean, and he missed a lot. So I thought it was a good fight. For the development of Ennis, did he get exposed? No. But why can't we just, you know, Jeanabek wasn't too long ago. Why, why don't we stop with this boogeyman stuff, though? That's I want to have another small rant on this stuff because time and time again, Boots was in the same thing as Keith Thurman. Remember, nobody wanted to call Keith Thurman out. Keith Thurman was even calling out uh, Mayweather, and he got booed at that. Was it at the Broner fight? I can't remember where it was, but... Nobody gave him a shot, and then finally he got his shot. Then when he got in charge or whatever, right, then he wouldn't give um, Spence a shot. Spence had to grind his, uh, like an Algeria or guys that we know, but, you know, it, it wasn't a big, big fight. And even for the Kell Brook thing, he had to wait, what, nine months or whatever for his eye to heal. And, and so it took a while. Thurman wouldn't fight him right away. He said he had to prove himself, and that's kind of why – you know, they've had this beef, Spence and Thurman, and now it seems like Spence did finally go, okay, fine. It, it actually is kind of funny that he's not fighting for belts, though. <laughs> it's, it's funny to me, actually. It's kind of like Arrow's way to stick it to him a little bit. Um, that whole belts thing is kind of funny, though, I think. Just in general. Like, people liked the fight until they heard it wasn't for the belts and stuff like that. We'll get into that a little bit later. But I don't think he got exposed. And nobody's going to fight in this fashion. However, however, those rounds that I mentioned and those little moments that Karen had, and I, I mean, he landed under 100 punches, so I'm talking about little moments. However, Keith Thurman can move, and he's got a hand speed. He's, way, he's a better boxer. And sure, you could say, you know, you could hurt Keith to the body. Anybody can be hurt to the body, but, you know, he's shown it a lot in fights, right? happened a bunch of times but he packs a punch and he's got a hand speed and he can move too so to say he couldn't show flashes of what karen did and you know when you see the tape when you're going against ennis and you can move you probably move more i mean crawford could move i'm not going to say neither of these guys are going to do that type of movement but you know I, I just thought it was a good fight for that reason i don't think he got exposed. I'm not saying, oh, this, all that. I'm off the bandwagon. I'm just saying, you know, let's just stop with this boogeyman shit, okay?
okay? Let's just calm down, take a deep breath. The boogeyman stuff, calm down, dude. And it just seems like it's like your favorite fighter. That's what it looks like on Twitter. And sometimes, like I said, sometimes it is the media, whether it's part-time or full-time. And that's where I have a problem with it. And that's why I call out some of that because you're like, dude, come on. You're, you're clearly favoring somebody in this side or whatever. So Ennis, to me, no, he didn't get exposed. Needs to, you know, I, I don't know. He needs to cut the ring off better. Um, I just think it gave him something to think about. And maybe now people, especially people that can move, are like, hey. He's not that bad. He's not that great, you know. But, yeah, the boogeyman stuff, dude, it's a business. If you don't like the business, cool. I don't love the business. Shit, I, I hate a lot of parts of the business. But it continues to happen over and over again. So why do we? Why is this guy special and that guy's not? Or what? I mean, I'm not talking about levels. There's levels in the sport. But Ennis was the boogeyman. Nobody wanted him. Now how many people think Boots? Washes Thurman. Come on, dude. Let's be honest. That that's that's my only only fault there, uh, where it's like, come on, dude, or my complaint, I should say. Now, um, let's talk. Well, Vito Melanecki took care of business fourth round TKO, as did Brandon Lee. Uh, Brandon Lee needs to be in a big fight here, a little out of hand. Um, and I know we talked last week that you know it was a. <laughs> He got hurt really bad. It's good that he's staying busy. Like I said, I think he's the only fighter with the amount of fights he has that had four fights in 2020. I think he's the only fighter. But it's time for him to step up. Lamont Peterson loses. He's been out of the ring for a long, long time. I get the DC angle, but it never really – I was never like, oh, sweet, Lamont's back. And I really like Lamont as a fighter. Like, he was – I really enjoyed his fights, win, lose, or draw, in him as well. And I know he had that testosterone pill thing or whatever, but I really did. I enjoyed him as a fighter, but – and he – shit, his resume's tight too. But I did see some folks dumping that he's taken on a guy with 16 losses. I think he was like 16 and 16 or something. And I get that. There was a woman's fight that was a – Really bad mismatch too. That uh, that woman, he was like well into her forties. I can't remember how old she's. She's like forty-five or forty-seven, maybe even older actually, maybe even older. But anyway, she's like a pinball for prospects. Pinball, pinball, pinball. <laughs> um, a pin in bowling is that what I was trying to say? But she really is because if you look at her resume of late, it's like wow, yeah, that that was a bad mismatch. But Peterson lost, and it doesn't surprise me because he's been out for so long, you know. Um, now, Andre did score two knockdowns on uh, Nicholson. Probably should have had another one, right? Now, we could also say he probably should have been knocked down in the fight, too. But the Andre fight pretty much turned out how Andre fights turn out. Sometimes in the first uh, chunk of rounds, I guess you could say, he'll look like pretty damn good and you're like oh shit okay damn done that where he's hurt a guy in the first two rounds right plenty of times and then he just kind of you know oh i can't get the guy out okay i'm gonna just you know go the rest of the way and, and, and we'll see what what goes on but i didn't i didn't take much out of it i, I know some people thought it was a bad uh you know a bad outing or whatever um i, I really didn't 
think much of the fight. I thought it was just – I thought it served its its purpose, to be honest with you. Cause that's, that's what I thought of it. I thought it, it served its purpose. He needed to get a fight in. We knew he was going to take a stay-busy fight. Um, you know, not much more to it, to be honest with you. Not much more to it. Um, so, you know, he won. Um, Maya Ellis is the the female fighter who won really easy. Karen Dolan. She, uh, let's see how old she is. She's five and twenty-six. Crazy thing is, she's twenty. She has twenty-six losses, right? She only got knocked out three times, so maybe that's why they thought they could get forty-seven years old. She just took on before this. She took on Alicia Pike in her debut. Went four rounds. Uh, in recent years, she's taken on other two other debuts, uh, another unbeaten prospect, another one dating back to or two of them, actually, in 2019. Three of them, I guess you could say. But anyway, it, it was a walkover fight, right? But back to uh, Andre. Let's see him in a quality fight. I don't know where he's going to go exactly next. Um, you know, would they go the David Morrell fight? Would they go... Are they trying to make that Charlo Jacobs? Jacobs could be a possibility for him. Uh, Charlo himself, you'd assume Jermall Charlo, though, would, would need a, just an okay fight to get back because he's been out so long. He's had some outside-of-the-ring issues um, that have been pretty hush-hush, and I respect that. Um, there was a, a case a while ago that, you know, uh, turned out he was innocent in the case, but he had to go through all that stuff to get through it to, to prove his innocence or whatever and then obviously the back issue too I don't know I, I don't know if that's you know the same or anything like that so I don't know if he'd go right to it maybe he would maybe he would I mean usually both Charlos stay in shape so I don't know we'll see it it's it's nice to get Andre a fight at the beginning of the year let's hope this is the year that he has a step up fight you know any of those guys I mentioned would be great. Now, Speedy Rashidi Ellis brought in his undefeated uh, record against Roman Royoman Via, who was 25 and one, I believe, with 24 knockouts or 20. I think it's 24 knockouts. And the first four, um, maybe five rounds, it was pretty much Rashidi Ellis. He was speedy. No, he, you know, he was jabbing a few of them go to the body, was double jabbing at times, uh, landing his counter right hand. Um, Via would either late in the round, like he did in the first round, land an uppercut, or early he landed some clean uppercuts and nice shots. Via's got a nice uppercut. Sometimes, I'm not going to say it's exactly not like Navarrete, but you know how he'll throw it from a distance, and sometimes that works, but a lot of times that doesn't. It was kind of going in there, you know, and, and by the third and fourth round, Via was just missing too much overall. Um, his overhand right, I think, was the one he was missing a lot. Uh, but he still was landing some hooks, you know, pretty pretty good to the head body. But the subtle movements, the landing clean, um, and, and, you know, even when Via stepped up the pressure, I think somewhere in the fourth and fifth round is when he stepped it up, he started having moments. You know, I thought Ellis responded really well to the body and all that. And he looked damn good. And then, and you know, Rashidi hasn't had a lot of fights, he, even though he fought somewhat recently, considering, I think it was only one or two rounds, right? So, he hasn't been the most active guy. In fact, uh, 
Yeah, it was just one round in last summer. And then prior to that, he had had that win over Rocha uh, at the end, well, like in October 2020. So he went, you know, shit, close, somewhat like three months short of a two-year break. And that's just one round. So we got to put that into the equation a little bit, right? Or not, not a little bit, kind of a lot. So did he gas? Did Via just, you know, I mean, by the seventh round, he, the pressure finally started to amount to something. Then he started landing really good shots to the head and body. The eighth round was very competitive. Um, the good right hands, the body work, uh, jabs, and the jab right hand or counter right hands uh, from Ellis. That eighth round was a close round, but the ninth in the tenth, the second half of the ninth, the power shots, you know, behind the jab really started adding up um, and uppercuts and all that shit. I mean, the uppercuts to the head and body, he was, Villa was really turning it on. I mean, you could really see, all right, this dude's coming. I did think, although the, the 11th round was very competitive, um, I thought some really flush hook shots along with the jab uh, and a few counter shots, just the cleaner shots were probably by, um, Ellis, um, he closed pretty well. Maybe he stole that round, but it was a competitive round. 12th round, obviously. Um, 80 seconds left, I think it was. Or no, that was the second knockdown. Or was that the first knockdown? I think it was the first knockdown. And something like that. But then it was like 8 or t- eight to 10, I wrote down, just flush shots. And Ellis, he looked more than buzz. His legs looked fairly weak. And the second knockdown, he got up, he finished the fight and all that. But that really all of a sudden turned into a, a damn good fight. It just, like, the first five, six rounds were kind of, were pretty one-sided. And then most of, probably all but two of them, were all via the second half. So, you know, in this type of fight, you could have uh, scored the fight seven to five for Ellis, but that would have been a draw. So, and if you had it a draw, then that's a win for Villa. Um, if you had it eight to four, well, then that's a little different, you know? Um, so two score cards had it 114, 112. And one of them had it 113, 113. So they had it seven to five. Um, so, you know, I, I really... I want to see this rematch, to be honest with you. I think it's a really good rematch. And um, I don't know. I just thought – I really thought that that was a, a, a fun fight. And if you – you know how I was just saying, like, it, it was one-sided one way and then more one-sided, you know, the rest of the rounds or whatever? I re- if you mix-match these rounds, it's one of those fights that if you kind of just mixed up the, the fights – right, um, or the rounds, it would have been just every, like, okay, Ellis wins two rounds, then Bia comes back, wins a round, then Ellis wins a round, then Bia wins two, you know what I mean? That That's the way I really, this would have been a hell of a fight if that's, you know, what took place. That, I mean, that would have been crazy, but it still was. It still was a really good fight, don't get me wrong. Um, so, I don't know, I mean, they basically had it a draw. That's what that 114-112 means. They had the fight 6-6, and so there's the two 
knockdowns. Um, the max I could score it is 8-4 Ellis, and, and I probably wouldn't be too comfortable with that score. I'd probably be on the 7-5. But I could understand an 8-4, but I, I would think that would be the furthest you go. I also wouldn't go 7-5 the other way, though. I mean, 6-6, six, six, I think, is to go the other way, which, like I said, is a win. So it's either a, win, a tight win for either of them or a draw. You know, this one did kind of feel like a draw would have maybe been the best scorecard overall. And then maybe that would have – and maybe I'm just being selfish, right, trying to trying to get the rematch. But I would like the rematch in this one, to be honest with you. I, I definitely would. I think it, I think it's a worthy rematch. Um, but if they go separate ways, you know, and maybe revisit it, that would, you know, work for me as well. I, I wouldn't mind that at all. That would, that would definitely work for me. So, um, overall, on paper, this actually was a pretty good event. And, and I would say much better than on paper what we thought going in on some of these fights. As far as, like, competitive, like, the rounds were going to be close for as long as the fights went on, it was just that Via and Ellis that that's what we thought. I thought Hector could win maybe two rounds tops. He won three on my scorecard. Some people had him winning five. He was a little more competitive than I thought, uh, minorly anyway. But even though, like I said, the, the, the co-feature wasn't exciting, you know, it still to me is like, well, that was a much better fight than most of us gave it credit for because dude went the distance and it in where boots is it's kind of the exactly the fight he kind of needed you know as much as and i'm just so used to like i don't know as a hardcore fight fan and i'm not trying to say i'm the, the most hardcore I, I watch every single fight that that's that's not true okay most of us don't watch every single fight ever being honest but to me I got more out of that fight than I did in some of these just blow away knockouts, you know? Are the are the knockouts and highlight real punches funner to watch? Hell yeah. But I'm used to every type of pace. I can find something out of most fights. Some of fights just suck and there's not anything you can take out of it, you know? But it was a nice surprise, let's say. And the matchmaking was a lot better and a lot more difficult and people gave credit going in. And obviously, we did get an upset uh, on the one that we all thought this would be the, the best fight of the night and possibly the best fight of the year. Right now, we're early, right? We're 11 days into January. <laughs> um, but we had a damn good card last year around this time. I'd like that card better than this card. But it was actually a pretty good pretty good fight. And I, and I watched it with two buddies. Gervonta just, you know, He's more popular, so it's easier to get people together to watch it, even if it is only a, a, another buddy or a couple people or whatever, to the um, the theaters and stuff. But I got to say, on paper, this card delivered more than I thought it would because the main event was competitive until the fight stopped. Now, in that fight, if it would have topped with a highlight reel knockout, I'm not going to lie. Like, Garcia, do whatever you got to do with you feel like you're out of it like you just got like you got your bell rung to the point where you're you're out of it and that's what it did appear to me he was um so i can't sit there and, and call him just this all sorts of names beyond retiring on the stool which technically is quitting like i said but you know it is what it is 
you know what I mean? It is what it is, and he was out of it. If the guy think, thinks he just – if the fight just stopped. If he thought the fight stopped and he was going back to his corner and lost, dazed and confused at least, he was dazed and confused. And if, if that would have ended in a knockout, yeah, I, I'd have to say, oh, man, that would have been a hell of a way to top the card, you know? But – it was better. I have to admit, it was better. All right, on to – we do have some fight news. We will get into uh, a variety of things. Uh, Dan Raphael is – he's like the only guy going with this Fulton Figueroa, but most of us thought that was the fight. But then the Magseo Figueroa fight came in, even for a second Magseo Dogbo with the WBC. It was really weird. Now we know there's another fight for Dogbo uh, that we'll get into. Um, but we started hearing other rumors that Fulton's going to fight somebody else. According to, I believe it was Jake Donovan on, on Jake and Lefty's show on the Chicken Talk space. Shouts out to them. Um, they were saying it was going to be a different fight. And some of the names that were brought up, Cruz, Gary Russell Jr., uh, Inouye, Anyway, I believe has trying to plan a fight in April, March or April. I don't know. But then we hear some news recently. They also said he got in a minor car accident, but I don't think that's the reason why um, he wouldn't be fighting Figueroa. But according to Dan, he is. So I, I really don't know. We'll talk about that. We did have, uh, you know, last week or two weeks ago, I think, we had Charlo getting hurt, took away a, a quality fight, and then Stanonius. You know, he had some medical issue there with his appendix, I believe it was, um, and that's going to be pushed back. And how long that's going to take, whether it's, you know, a month or two or if it's his manager, uh, Ortiz, Virgil Ortiz's manager was saying it's going to take like 120 days or something like that. So we're going to talk about that. So we did get some bad news, but we got some good news, too. That Showtime triple header looks banging on February 25th, and I'm not just saying that because it's the Armory. The Wood Laura, that's a really good fight for DAZN. And so we're waiting for Showtime. We're waiting for uh, DAZN Matchroom to release these schedules that we've been hearing so much about. But what they've released, pretty damn good. So we'll get into Anthony Joshua news and, of course, that's Spence Thurman. But I do want to break down this triple header type uh, fight card on the mid-level. Quality mid-level matchups. It's something that prior to, like I mentioned earlier in the show and I've mentioned over the last couple of years, prior to the PBC on network TV and ESPN getting their deal, yada, 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 and just the amount of zone cards there are, no matter if it's Golden Boy or Matchroom or whatever, um, the mid-level fight didn't have enough uh, shine where boxing was at that point late 2000s all the way through the 2010s up until that point, 2015, right? That's when PBC broke, and then, what, 2017 or 18? Was it 17, I think, when uh, ESPN did their deal? Anyway, um, the mid-level fight has gotten a lot of shine, and I, for one, have been very happy about it. And that's what we've got going on. F.A. Ajagba, Stephen Shaw, Adam Lopez, Abraham Nova, um, Guido against Johnny, right? Um, Vianello and, and Johnny Rice is what I'm talking about. But, you know, Guido and Johnny sounds like a good matchup, too, over here. 
But um, these are just quality mid-level fights. It's a hardcore fight fan, you know, type card. It wouldn't have probably got that great of a rating, but it does have a Big 12 um, college basketball game. So I don't know if they're going to show all three of these fights or if they're only going to go doubleheader. Guessing doubleheader, but I could be wrong. Um, either way, it'll be on ESPN Plus, though, the, the Johnny Rice, the Guido and Johnny. But I like this fight. You know, F.A., we've seen a lot of, you know, he's, he, he's got the power. He likes to try to throw the jab right hand. He'll mix up some other shots, but he's pretty basic. He's trying to knock your block off and, uh, you know, somewhat recently – um, was it two fights ago or three fights? I can't remember. But, um, you know, he, he's a good fighter, right, F.A.? He's, you know, he's a fringe type um, type guy. I'm not trying to say he's a top eight fighter at the, you know, division or anything like that. But um, he's a good fighter. And I just blanked who the hell he was going to face. Prior, who the hell was he going to face prior to this? Who was on the – I can't remember all of a sudden. But anyway, oh boy got hurt. I don't know why I can't think of his damn name. But it was two fights ago against Frank Sanchez that he got beat, you know, pretty cleanly. Um, Like he didn't win many rounds at all. Um, And that was – that was the undercard for – Wilder Fury 3, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's what it was. So he's a basic dude who can be outboxed, but, you know, it does take a, a quality fighter probably, you know, to do it. Well, not probably. I mean, it, it, it does. So in walks Stefan um, Shaw, right? And he recently – I've seen him a handful of times that Devaco or Devaco – that fight, um, kind of rewatched that fight again. Just a, a couple of notes overall with Shaw. Um, he's got pretty good hand speed. Um, I'd say he's, he's he can fight at distance fairly well, somewhat light on his feet. Um, he can jab pretty well. Sometimes it's like a measuring jab. Sometimes he does that a little too much. That could get him in trouble with a right hand with the with F.A. Um, but I do like uh, when he jabs to the body, you'll see sometimes he's jabbing to the body, jab to the body, and he'll turn that jab into a left hook, sometimes to the body, sometimes to the head. So I think that'll be a, um, a good weapon. Um, and when he does, you know, he throws a lot of one-twos. Both these guys throw a lot of one-twos. It's just the mixture of movement is where Shaw has the advantage. Uh, and he usually follows up with hooks to the body once in a while, like an uppercut. Um, but his power shots after, after the jab is a lot of times he follows up on the, on the hook. Um, can Shaw fight at range and move the whole fight, pretty much the whole fight. FA is not an over aggressive pressure fighter, but he is looking to push the pace somewhat. Um, now, we're going to find out, you know, where Shaw is as far as, like I said, the whole fight. I mean, he has 
some good wins so far, but this is a clear step up for him. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, now, I don't – I think Frank Sanchez on paper is better than him. Um, speaking of uh, Shaw, like on paper, because we've seen more of him too. Um, but this one is a, is, a, is a competitive fight. If you look at, you know, the odds on this fight, it's close. Like I said, this whole card is, is pretty damn close odds. I mean, you can get Shaw. He opened at plus 105 or plus 110. I can't remember what I got it for. But right now, that's basically, I think it goes up as high as plus 145 for F.A. as the underdog. So if he can land a big right hand, turn the fight around, he can win this fight. But uh, Shaw is a slight favorite. I see the highest is like minus 165. Uh, FanDuel has it, I think, minus 34. I'm on Pro Boxing Odds website, by the way. Um, so I, I'm going with Shaw. I did put, you know, for the record when it first opened, it basically was um, even tighter than a pick'em, and they're both minus for a second. The, the money went quick. Right when it opened, I got it. At, I can't remember. I got to check if it's plus 105 or plus 110. I think it's plus 110. Anyway, um, I am going Shaw. I think it'll be closer than the Sanchez fight, though. I'll say that. But it's just a really good step up for Shaw. And, for him, and, and that's another thing. He, he's coming in on late notice. And for some reason, I still can't remember who the hell he was fighting. Prior to this, F.A. But anyway, I do have that going the decision. F.A. can win by uh, either a knockdown or multiple knockdowns. But I do think he's going to have to land something on Shaw that just renders Shaw tentative. You know what I mean? I really think that's going to be the case. Um, And just to get ready, the Big 12 basketball game is going to be live on ESPN. So just like, I think ESPN has like four college basketball games before this, they're all going to run into each other. So a lot of boxing fans, just I'm just letting you know now, I see this every time on Twitter. <laughs> Listen, dude, it's going to probably run a little late. A lot of times they'll put it on ESPN Plus. They used to put it on ESPN News, but the plus is there. But just just, just deal with it, dude. It's going to happen. And don't be like, oh, ESPN is doing boxing wrong. Well, they just got – I mean, every – there's not going to – all those games this whole – on Saturday, that quadruple header, they're not going to show the exact start of each one. They're just not. That's not how it works, dude. So if college basketball can go a little long, maybe it's a, a game in the last five minutes that is really close and there's a lot of timeouts and – you know, they're going tit for tack, or maybe some somebody's in the bonus, so there's a lot of fouls. Sometimes it just takes longer than two hours. So just calm down, take a deep breath. It's going to be okay. It doesn't mean ESPN's shitting on boxing because of this, okay? Because, like I said, all day, there's probably no way that each and every start to each four basketball games are going to be 100% televised on ESPN. It's just, it's, it's just not how it works. So if they can go over on, on their own college basketball content, then why wouldn't they do that for boxing? Why would they just be like, you know, you've been watching all four of these games. 
we're going to cut the last little bit off because we got to start boxing. That's just not how it goes, dude. And and if you want, if it's a tight game, that means the audience is peaking higher, more than likely. So you're going to have a better rating for the main event. Just wanted to get that out there because I see it every single time. Now Adam Lopez and Abraham Nova. You know, Lopez is just an experienced, experienced guy. I mean, even, what was it, his, I think it was his ninth fight, eighth fight, tenth fight. I think it was his ninth fight, something like that, where he fought full, lost majority decision. He was, uh, you know, a couple years back, he was very competitive with Oscar Valdez. He actually knocked him down in the second, I believe. Early in that fight, he ended up getting TKO in the seventh. But it was a good-ass fight. Uh, last summer, Isaac Dogbo. Some people thought Adam did enough to win that. It was a it was really tight fight. If you look at this odds here, um, you do actually have Nova as a slight slight favorite. Um, well, you know it's kind of funny. Imagine you go. Some of it is basically a fifty fifty. Um, yeah, if you bet three sixty five. Minus 120 for both guys. I see minus 110 Nova, minus 105. But then there's other uh, – FanDuel has plus 114 for Lopez, minus 144 for Nova. So, I mean, like uh, I'm trying to tell you, plus 100, plus 100. Uh, those are both Lopez numbers. Um, it's a 50-50 card on the top of it. So, Lopez is the real deal. He's a good fighter. Real deal, I'm not saying he's, you know – top five at the weight class, bro, but he's a damn good fighter, and I also know that this is his, shout out to Lukey, Lukey, uh, I saw an interview with him recently, and if he wins his fight, top rank claims they'll re-sign him, this is the last fight on his contract, so he's going to be looking to do some damage, now he also left the, he said I'd rather, you know, I, I, I like top rank, I would, I'd like to stay there, and there's fights for him there, obviously, so it would be a smart move, but you never know. Maybe someone offers him something else. Who knows? But either way, um, kind of like in professional sports, the contract year, or even like a, a fifth-year senior, a senior that stays back and says, I'm going to improve my draft stock, you know, or in basketball, not a one-and-done, a guy comes back and proves and goes higher in the draft. So Adam Lopez is a, is a good, solid fighter. Does he have a bunch of quality, quality wins? No, not no, he doesn't. But I mean, he's been freaking right there, dude. He really has. So um, I like that fight a lot. I like that fight a lot. Um, but as far as uh, I just skipped over Abraham Novich, <laughs> um, he's another guy that you know he, he had that uh, Robesi Ramirez fight. Yeah, he got he got stuck. <laughs> you know, he ended up getting knocked out. But if you look at that actual fight, he, he was doing good in the fight. And just overall, we've seen Nova enough where um, he can kind of mix it up a little bit. He, he can box on the outside some. He's probably be more comfortable comfortable at the mid-range and, and with some pressure. He can definitely bring some pressure. Uh, he goes to the body. He kind of does the shoe shine at times to the body. Um, good activity. In, in, in combo punches, you know, he definitely throws a good amount of shots. He, he can use lateral movement. Like I said, he can fight on the outside a little bit. Um, and he definitely was doing, in my opinion, very well against Ramirez, who's just a better fighter. Um, I did notice on his jabs, looking back at it, and see what his 
notes I took in the past, too. Um, he kind of falls in at times when he throws his jab, making him susceptible to the counter, and that's, you know, Ramirez was lighting him up there, so that's something to look for. He can, Like I said, he can get countered off that. Um, he keeps his hands pretty low, which isn't the craziest thing nowadays. A lot of guys keep their hands low, but it seems like he can be – like during exchange, he tends to get hit maybe the harder, if that makes sense. Um, he he has that – remember how we were just talking about uh, Via, and sometimes he was throwing that uppercut too far away? Same with Nova at times. I've noticed that sometimes he's a little too far away. At times, not always. It's got he's got a decent uppercut though in general. I think basically what it said. I, I you know on the on the uh, betting lines, I think it's a fifty fifty fight. It could go either way. It's a flip of the coin. Um, Nova is coming off, you know, a, a, a knockout. I mean, in his last fight in the summer, um, he beat a guy like. Barrow, I know that. Um, he beat some okay fighters. Incarnation beat, I remember that. That was actually, I think at the beginning of last year. It's about a year ago. But on this one, I'm going to go with Adam Lopez to get the decision. I think it's going to be tit for tack. But I think he's going to get it. The 10-rounder, so both guys should be able to throw plenty of punches, you know. Um, they're not going to gas out and stuff. So I, I think it'll be a really competitive fight, maybe like a majority decision, but actually the one that goes his way. Um, like I said, plenty of people thought Adam Lopez. I'm not saying uh, Lopez got completely screwed against Dogbo, but people did think Adam Lopez won that fight. Not everyone, but some did. So I think it's a good fight. Very good fight. I got Adam Lopez uh, by decision. And then... The other fight I'll talk about on the card is the uh, Guido and Johnny fight, uh, Vianello and Jonathan Rice. Um, I mean, to me, like, Vito's looks pretty good, pretty solid. This is a step-up fight for him. Um, clearly, I think he's – let me look real quick. 10-0, yep. Did have a draw against uh, Kinsley Abeja. I do remember watching that fight. It wasn't, uh, yeah, it was only six rounds, though. Does it, I mean, this is a big step up for him. And you can look at Jonathan Rice's record and be like, oh, 15 and 6. But he recently, well, I mean, he went, he's got the chin enough to go, um, you know, I think it was 10 rounds, right, with uh, a jog bay. Now, that Dempsey McKeon, I think, was a TKO, right, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. He's just a lot more seasoned in, you know, Tony Yoka. And, I mean, this guy has fought a lot of guys. He, he, he lost the shot, too, I believe. Yeah, he lost the shot. That was 2016. So, I mean, this guy's fought a lot of guys in, in the coffee. Michael Coffey, no matter what you think about him, they had that upset win, great fight. I believe that was at the Armory. And then he followed it up with a quality win. The problem for me was, you know, he was weighing, he was 283 in the fight. You know what I mean? So, and he, remember, he was two, okay, let me just get this exactly right. He was 268 and a half, comes back 
283, right? So what shape is he going to be in? You know, is he going to learn his lesson from the last fight? Even though he won, he could have won more explosively, a lot closer to how he won the first fight, if we're being honest about it. So that one I kind of got to see. I am going to go. Uh, in the battle of Guido and Johnny, I am going to go Jonathan Rice, but and I think he'll win. So that's what I'm picking. But I do have to see what weight Johnny's at, because if not, Guido probably going to take him to school. We're not taking the school. I shouldn't say that because even I mean, Coffee, you know, he, <laughs> it's I don't know. He Coffee, it's not like he was a killer either. Let's be honest. He he was a guy that. Uh, he actually just got beat again, too. He hadn't really – that was a step-up fight for him, that's for sure, uh, heading into that fight. I know he took on that. I think he was that unbeaten prospect last year, the uh, Rock, Darmany Rock or whatever. But he hadn't fought anybody of note either, uh, per se, right? So it's a step-up fight for Guido. Um, you know, Guido looked pretty good. in the. I've seen two fights of him, I think, um, or three, three. I've seen his last two and then that Kingsley one. So, I gotta see the scale to give an official prediction. But right now, I'm going Johnny Johnny Rice, Jonathan Rice, uh, to win that. Uh, I think that'll do the trick. Anyway, um, so that kind of uh, you know hardcore fight weekend. But I like the fight. I understand why people are uh, getting a little antsy, <laughs> right? As far as hey, release some of the big fights, some of the fights that get the common and casual fan more excited about it, right? So I, I get what a lot of people are, are saying here in, in, in some of the, you know, they're just, they're just like, hey, man, we need good news. We've had, we had such a weird close last year that we need some good news. So I get it. Um, hopefully Matchroom, uh, DAZN, and, and, and then Showtime, the PBC, do release their schedule. But as I said earlier in the year, or earlier in the year, it is earlier in the year. Um, as I said earlier in the podcast, maybe they're going to get this plant Benavides out. And then after that, they're going to not, I'm not saying directly after that, but maybe then they'll, then they'll release the full schedule. Cause maybe they don't want to have, maybe they only want to have three pay-per-views on the release and then at best, you know, six other fights. I don't know. But if you look at it, if in fact that, because we see March 18th is booked. We have other information about ring size and all that stuff for that Caleb Plant and, and David Benavidez. I mean, when you look at it, if it doesn't get announced this week, you're talking one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. So you'd assume that it's going to get announced here in the next two nine weeks to sell it and it's not like either of these guys are just crazy ticket sellers so given it a lot of these some of them can be seven weeks a lot of them are like eight to ten weeks so i anticipate within the next two weeks they're going to release it um and i mean just the plant benavides maybe they'll they'll also probably i'm talking about showtime here they'll also probably make they'll probably finalize that february 25th card that we'll talk about in a second that's that's what I'm assuming. Um, 
So I get it, man. Everybody's a little going nuts, right? And we hear, okay, Haney Lomachenko, when are you going to get that done and announced? Okay, what about this fight? You know, we hear, I just mentioned, the Plank Benavides. At some point here soon, Tank and Garcia, although Tank has some outside of the ring, you know, court stuff that he's get, that they probably want to get that figured out, which is right around the corner. Um, Spence Thurman, Wilder Ruiz, you know, there, there's a lot of these fights, right? But there is some news that broke uh, yesterday. This is Jake Donovan. I think Coppinger is the one who initially broke it. Spence Thurman nearly finalized, conditionally approved to take place above welterweight division. Okay. So we knew this was going to come as far as the fight pretty much, right? Um, Here is some information um, of how it all, like, there's some stipulation to this, right? So, um, Basically, we know it got called. We know the WBA called for Stanonius Ortiz. Hopefully that fight could still happen within the next three, four months. We know it got postponed, but hopefully that's, you know, that's the thing. Um, so we know that they made that fight. It was supposed to be actually, I think, March 18th in Dallas. And the stipulation here is that there's going to be you know, to keep belts and all that stuff, they, they, they basically said, Here, here's the deal. You're going to have, you know, you're only going to get, I think I think it was reported 60 days, if I remember correctly. Something's actually going up with the, uh, just this random thing here. Okay, so another sanctioned body had, a, had to grant approval for the fight to move forward under current conditions. Um, where's the 60 days? God damn, this TV keeps freaking up, freezing up. Um, WBA President Gilberto Jesus uh, Mendoza confirmed the boxing scene that Representative Spence sought to approve uh, to take the non-title fight. The WBA conditionally approved the request with the resolution of all the matter will be su- you know, submitted to all parties. Um, while none of the titles are at risk um, for the still-discussed fight with Thurman Spence, uh, Spence will be required to uh, defend his crown versus the winner of the currently postponed Ortiz Stanonius. The lone exception to this uh, to be granted, so the lone exception to be granted will be if Spence secures an undisputed fight. Here it is. Though such plans will carry a 60-day deadline to secure the deal before the mandatory fight will be ordered. So basically, if they fight in April, Spence and Thurman and Spence, Spence is the favorite, let's say he comes through unscathed enough to be okay, right? No major damage or anything. That's when basically they'll say, okay, you got 60 days to make the Crawford fight. Are you going to spin the block or not? And so that's part of it is cool because if for whatever reason we don't get, I mean, there's plenty of reasons why but if we don't get spence crawford right then at least these belts start to loosen up right now as far as the weight i like the fight i do like the fight um it is funny a lot of people dog the belts and the sanctioning you know bodies but then in this fight 
I saw some people that kind of turned on the fight when the belts weren't on the line. And that was kind of like, oh, so now the belts matter to you. But which one is it? Be a little more consistent, you know? I do find it kind of funny that Spence said he wouldn't fight Thurman because of what Thurman wouldn't give him the fight. But now he's giving him the fight, but he's not giving him the belts per se, right? So to me, if you're going to have this stipulation in there and it's a 60-day thing, right? That tells me they're going to at least try to negotiate that fight. And, you know, it doesn't have to be renegotiated per se. It's, they've already done a lot of the, be fair, Terrence Crawford said, I was willing to do everything. I, I took all the stipulations. I asked for stuff. I got it. He didn't actually say that, but that's what happened because he didn't deny that either. And then he didn't sign the contract because he said they were dragging their feet and he wanted to fight in 2022. So I don't think that would be some, you know, some long dragged out process and now we have 60 days so if they don't get it finalized with a date and all that then it's a wrap that fight's not going to help happen for the belts anyway which i don't give a shit about but um so i think that's cool because what would be the like if he was just going to move up to 154 for good for sure he'd probably just drop the belts wouldn't he would he just be like peace out belts um, and I'm not saying, oh, I guarantee he's going back to 47. I'm not saying that because we know Spence, Keith Thurman and Spence have been at 47 for a long time. And the reason why I'm not worried about this fight being above 147, to be honest with you, we thought Spence would probably be already up there or at least soon. And same with Thurman to an extent. Now, Thurman in recent, the recent year, let's say, because what he last February, he did say he does want to stay at 47 for a little bit longer and, 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 and maybe the rest of his career, maybe, you know, he did say that. He, he did want more belts and he wanted to do this and he wanted to specify. But if you look at the activity of both guys and for different reasons, but the activity for both guys in recent years, it benefits both. And, and I really think that that's legit. I'm not trying to make an excuse for Spence, um, but honestly, the 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 amount of fights these two have had in the last few years is not many, right? Basically, since 2020, think about how many fights both have had. Spence fought Garcia at the end of 2020 after him being out since September the the, the recent year, and September 2019, and in July 2019. That's when Pacquiao and Thurman fought. So Thurman didn't fight again for a long time, right? So he had one fight last year in February. Was it later February, I think? February 26th? I think 26th. It's funny how you remember dates because you hear it get announced, you talk about it, you talk about after, you just remember. I think it's February 26th. Anyway, that was against Barrios. And then in April, was that April 16th? Spence and Ugas. So... They've both been out of the ring for a while, right? And in the last couple years, they haven't fought much. I mean, we know in the summer of, was that going to be a July or August fight? Something like that for Pacquiao. Yeah, I think it was August. Uh, Maybe July, whatever. Spence and, you know, Pacquiao, but Spence, Retina got fucked up. 
and so he didn't fight to him. So honestly, the 150 will probably get a better, healthier two fighters. And I know, you know, some people that just are super into Bud, Bud fanboys are going to call this a bullshit fight, but then they're going to protect their guy and say Avanesian was a solid fight. I mean, this is a better fight than Avanesian. And like I said, do you really look at Thurman as a small 147? I mean, he has talked about going to 54. Now, like I said recently, I'll do that for the record because I know I'm going to get messages over this. Listen, I'm, I know that he recently did say that he wants to stay at 47 for at least maybe the rest of his career, but at least the next few fights. But it is what it is. And I, honestly, I think that for them not have to whittle, they, they have, it'll be a year since they fought. So they'll not have to whittle all the way down to 47. I think it helps. I think it makes it a better fight right now. I really do. I don't think it makes it worse. Let's put it that way. Um, and, you know, it's not like Thurman has to weigh 154. He can come at 150, 150. And let's be honest. He blows up during fights. I know he said, you know, in the spring after his fight and in the summer, he was able to stay in shape. Then he got a little banged up. Thought he had a fight coming. Um, well, he got COVID for a while, too. He said he was on the couch. He gained some weight. He blows up, and up until recent years, you know, really since COVID, in that accident, Spence had blown way up too, right? Recently, you know, we see photos of him. It doesn't look like he blows up anymore for now. Who knows ultimately? But I did see a picture today, but I don't know if that was a a picture that was super recent or not. I don't know. But my point is it's actually going to help both these guys. So you could sit there and say, oh, Spence don't want it with Crawford. Well, why would they put in the request to say for it to come out and say 60 days? You got 60 days to fight him. I I don't know. I mean, why why even go that route if you're just going to go up into 54 period? It just seems kind of strange to me why why they would do that. So, um, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. but I like the fight. I'm not shocked that it's not for all the belts. You know, it is what it is. I, I think you're going to get a stronger both fighters because they won't have to dwindle down. And, and then we'll see if Spence – and who knows? Maybe Spence doesn't come in at a, a full 54 either. Maybe he's just saying – you know, these type of fights used to happen. Decades ago, they used to happen all the fucking time. It, well, even beyond that. Some of them would be 10-rounders, right, just to stay busy. Well, it's not like that anymore. But this is not a tune-up. Keith Thurman's not a tune-up. I mean, I'm not saying Barrios is some killer, especially at 47. I think he's on the second the, the, the second tier at 140. I don't think he's going to stay at one. I don't think he's staying at 140, but probably going to stay at 47. But Thurman's not some sort of tune-up, dude. He is not. And he's still, in my book, a top five welterweight. I know we're not fighting that welterweight, but I, I don't know. He looked pretty good in his last fight. He looked pretty good in his last fight. And Uga, you know, Spence looked all the way returned. And like I said, the, neither fighter has fought a lot. So I think it lines up pretty good that way. Neither of them just fought four months ago. So it's a lot more even. You're talking like a difference of like six months something like that eight months or eight weeks sorry six or eight weeks uh the difference uh, from when they fought so i like the fight i know it's a, a wide variety of uh 
opinions on that. Um, Lee, oops, Lee Wood and Mauricio Lara, February 18th, Nottingham on the zone. I absolutely love that fight. That's a great, great fight. Uh, kudos um, for them to put that on. That's a damn good fight. I, I, I like it a lot. And this is so, so like I said, we've been talking about, you know, matchup with the zone. We're talking, you know, Eddie's been talking about his schedule here the last couple of weeks. He hasn't released at all. This is a pretty damn good fight, though. It's like an appetizer to be like, okay, now give us the rest. But this is a great appetizer. I love that appetizer. And I'm not trying to put that fight like it's not a top-tier fight, calling it an appetizer. It's just, you know, we want the rest of the schedule. Same with the reported, not officially announced, though, but the reported February 25th card, Showtime triple header from the Armory, um, Matias and Ponce, Ponce. That's just a good-ass fight right there. That's just all action. Now we're hearing Joseph Adorno and Elvis Rodriguez are going to be on the undercard. And that's a good-ass card right there. Now, according to Dan Raphael, Fulton and Figueroa, which, by the way, would be a neutral site. I know Fulton. Did Figueroa ever fight there? I don't think he did. But And I'm talking about the Armory, but Fulton just fought in June there. And Dan Raphael reported that that Fulton and Figueroa is going to be on the top of that card. If it's Fulton, Figueroa, Matias Ponce, and Adorno Rodriguez, my goodness gracious. Now, I don't know that to be a fact. Like I said, it's a neutral site. Um, so that helps for both fighters. You know, that's the one thing about the Armory in, in Minneapolis. It is a neutral area, uh, unless you're Cuban. Then it's not so neutral. But you know what I'm saying? It's really it's, – or if you're taking on Jamal James or Truax or whatever. But it is pretty neutral. And uh, now, of course, the fan base that goes every time, they'll probably know Fulton more. But um, there'll be plenty of Mexican, Mexican-Americans going for, for you know, figure all there if that happens. Now, Jamal James is, on, is supposed to be on the card, too. So, and that's where I'm like, wait, hold up, what? So, they're going to have Jamal as the fourth fight, like the YouTube fight? And the only reason I say that, I'm not saying the, the, the guy he's supposed to fight, I understand why they do it, but if you're going to have Jamal James at home in Minneapolis, you probably would put him on the triple header, on the televised portion of it, you know? Because there are going to be, you don't want people to leave after. And I don't think a lot of people are going to leave after that fight. But I could see how maybe Fulton in 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 the Figueroa are, is not on that card. And the opening bout will be Jamal James. You know that that's what I'm thinking. Um, but we don't know that until you know until the act until it gets announced. And so that fight, let's see. 11th they don't need a lot of time at the armory they sell anywhere from like a thousand to twelve hundred to fifteen hundred i think the most i don't i think they've sold two thousand a little over two thousand once or like eighteen hundred as well a couple times but it's usually like from thousand to twelve hundred tickets um something like that fifteen hundred in that realm but yeah this is what he said in his notebook fright uh fight freaks unite 
that that the Fulton Figaro two will will top that. If so, that's a crazy car. You know what I mean? I mean, absolutely crazy. That would be phenomenal on the hardcore level, of course. Um, and it would. De- I mean, and, and it's going to look good on TV, right? But I don't know. I'm also hearing Jamal James will be, you know, on on that card. So. I don't know. It'd be kind of funky for them to have that on the YouTube version. But then again, maybe that's exactly what they're looking for. You know, um, Alberto Palmada, Palmetta, Palmetta, Coppinger and somebody else are the ones who, uh, Idick, Idick's the one who said that, that, oh no, Matias Ponce, that's who, that's who Idick, uh, that's who Idick reported on. This is coming off Coppinger's uh, feed. So um, any kind of mix of that is good to me. That'll work a lot of that, whatever's happening there. Um, Anthony Joshua, April 1st is his rumored fight. Maybe it's April 15th. Maybe it's a- April 1st. Uh, I talked about the, uh, the, uh, the po- possible opponent. I just mentioned his name. We'll see if that that's exactly it. But it does sound like the rumor is he's he's going to train in America. And the rumor is it's going to be Derek James. That's great news to me. <laughs> I think that's phenomenal news. Um, but we'll see. Now, there was some news recently broke by Coppinger, Shakur Stevenson, and Yoshino. Yoshina? Yoshino. Uh, it looks like April 8th, ESPN, um, and it's expected to be determined a new mandatory challenger for the WBC. So, um, and if you look at it in the rankings, because, you know, you got to look at some of these sanctioning belts for the WBC. They have Lomachenko as number one, and presumably he's going to take on Haney. Isak Cruz is two, Shakur Stevenson, Zapata, and then Yoshino. That's the top five as far as the rankings of the WBC. So you can see how that would, uh, you know, make sense. And, I mean, a lot of people wanted a, a variety of fights for him, but dude beat a, a pretty solid Nakatani. Um, he beat I- Ito, actually. Ito, not, what was that, last spring or something like that? So it's a good fight. I think it's a pretty good fight. I do. Um, I, we know that he they sent offers to a variety of guys. Some of that was 100% true. Some of it was not. Someone just texted me. Uh, Dempsey McKean is the one that uh, is leading. He even said it, actually, I think, on a boxing news, international boxing news or something. He said he's one of the front runners. So that's that's that. Um, yeah, and then there's that, there is that official date that I mentioned. Some people asked about this a second ago. Uh, Saturday, March 18, 2023. TGV promotion. That's who's got the MGM grant. And then Ramirez, uh, Robisi, Ramirez, and Isaac uh, Dogbo will meet in Tulsa, Oklahoma. <clears throat> Usually draws like a nice little crowd there. It's going to be a main event on ESPN Plus April 1st. Um, so, yeah, the, that's the WBO. It's weird. It's either going to be a vacant WBO feather or an interim. So I'm sure they'll set up a fight behind that. Because as we know, Emmanuel Navrate uh, dropped his, uh, I think he dropped uh, the, the WBO 126, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah, because he was supposed to go against Valdez, but 
Belden's got hurt. So that's why that fight uh, is not happening. Um, oh, here's some really interesting news. Pretty surprising to me. Per sources, this is Dan Raphael, longtime Golden Boy matchmaker Robert, and I think it's Roberto actually, but Robert Diaz, one of the best in the business, parted ways with the company on Tuesday after Oscar De La Hoya did not renew his contract. That's a fucking head scratcher to head scratcher. I did not see that coming whatsoever. Jose Ramirez and Richard Comey have agreed. This is Coppinger again, March 25th uh, at 140 in Fresno. So that's a fight that's going to happen. Not a big, uh, not a big shocker there. Um, obviously, Ramirez pro gray would have been the fight that we wanted, but it is what it is. Yeah, um, Eddie. <laughs> Eddie Hearn, someone just texted me about the, the dangerous thing about, this is his quotes, the dangerous thing about Javante Davis is he's not a deep thinker, not articulate. And he's not the most articulate guy, but to be like, oh, he's not a deep thinker. I don't mean that disrespectful. He's a bad motherfucker. It just, his, his wording on stuff is really, really funny. By the way, it's going to be SP, ESPN Plus, that Dogmo in Ramirez, April 1st, if I didn't say that. Uh, someone asked that to me, so. Um, and then we do have DeZone who picked up the Eubank-Liam uh, Smith fight. So I figured it'd be one or the other, uh, DeZone. So that's cool. That's, that's a pretty good fight. You know, it's, it's a good fight. Nothing, nothing wrong with that fight. Um, and then, oh, it's, this one kind of is like, huh. So in the DeZone, DeZone basically in the UK, KSI and his misfits mocking promotional company have signed a new five-year deal with DeZone. The deal will see KSI fight exclusively on the zone for the next five years. Also guarantees at least six, at least six misfit in the zone um, cards. X says misfits in the zone X series events per year, including two pay-per-views. So does that mean at least six and four out of the six will be at least that? I don't know, but that's what it sounds like. So, um, Oh, this is the whole quote here on the DAZN boxing show. Eddie Hearn, DAZN, uh, DAZN. The dangerous thing about it said DAZN on there. The, the dangerous thing about Javante is he's not a deep thinker, not articulate. I don't mean that in disrespectful way. He's a bad motherfucker like Mike Tyson. That makes him dangerous because he's fearless. You can't get in his head. Well, Mike Tyson was actually a deep thinker. And by the way, someone sent me a text too. George Foreman just turned seventy-four. Happy fucking birthday, Tito! In him, wow. Here's I'm gonna just do this one more and then we'll shut this puppy down. This is also from the Dizone Boxing Show. Eddie Hearn on Connor Ben. Connor has made it clear to me he wants to go straight back into a big fight. I would prefer him to have a run out, but he's made it clear. I want Chris Eubank, I want Gervonta Davis, I want Kel Brook, and I want Manny Pacquiao. <laughs> it's like Oh wow. By the way, uh Hitchens Hitchens uh has in what is it? Bazaar? That Bazaar? Bazaar? Anyway, that's a decent fight. Hitchens, I'm glad he's staying busy. February 4th, he's going to be on that undercard of what is a good uh, undercard there, or a good card in general. Um, just real quick, boxing Twitter, very curious how Anthony Joshua and Derek James work. Uh, I don't know if AJ has the durability to pull off that style of fighting. Yeah, it might have to kind of be somewhere in between on that. That is a good it's kind of a good point because it's like, well, you're not going to turn him into a come forward killer, but 
maybe I don't know. Yeah, that, that's a good one. Uh, that is a good one. Here's another one. This is from uh, Monster Promotions over a Lukey Boxing. Uh, what is the expert hour? Uh, Lopez says he was asked to come to Japan just last week to help anyway prepare for a fight in March and April. So who's anyway going to fight? Kind of interested in that. All right. Um, oh, and this is more uh, from Derek James. Spence, Charlo, Martin, and Joshua. That is a damn good stable, man. Holy shit. Uh, this one comes from Ray Diggs. So you fight at 54, then after, if you can't get the guy you want in the ring next at 147, you already had your first fight at 154, so you can take on a bigger player at the weight. I get it. Exactly. And he doesn't even have to go all the way to 50. He just doesn't have to. He can, he can, you know, be a little lighter. Anyway, I'm going to get out of here. Enjoy the fights. Like I said, I really like this this card that ESPN has, and I hope they have more of them this year. The mid-level fight, baby. Sign me up. Peace. I'll be back next week. Once you become the world champion, I believe that. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.